Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hey, everybody, this is a preview of today's members episode. If you want to hear the whole thing, head on over to the confessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today. Hey, everybody, before we get to this week's episode, I just want to remind you we are streaming on demand only on Merkel.media, the film The Shape of Shadows that we've newly minted for you. If you want to watch that film or even Expedition Dogman, you can get both those things right on Merkel.media. Just hit the stream now button and you'll be good to go. All right, let's get to this week's show. Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, Dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow this head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to the Confessionals Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either it works for me, just get a hold of me. Welcome to another member's episode. We have Patrick coming on today to talk about demonic possession, the dream realms, and his life journey of overcoming drug addiction and how that can play into the spiritual realm. This was a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get to Patrick right now. All right. Today we have Patrick on the show. Patrick, how you doing, man? I'm doing real well. Doing real well. Blessed. How about you, Tony? Man, I'm doing good. Doing good. I was driving into, uh, I was driving my son to school today 
and getting ready mentally to come into the office after a week. We, we were just out in the field last week uh, filming another documentary, trying to get my mind in the process of just working this side of things. You know, there's different, there's tons of different avenues that I got to take with working. And uh, when I was getting my, my gears going, you know, I have an interview with you. I'm going to be on uh, UK radio later on today. I was thinking to myself, this is amazing. You know, like it, it becomes so uh, normal for me, you know, just the idea that this is my job to go talk to people about this crazy stuff. But when you take a chance to sit back and think this isn't normal and this is really cool, um, it, it makes you really appreciate things in the moment. So, uh, Patrick, I, I've had my people email you to hop on with me a little early because I wanted to make sure you had time to share your story today. Um, your story has a lot of depths to it. And, you know, when it comes to people who have had a history of uh, addiction and things like that uh, with drugs, there's a lot of relatability that people have with that because, you know, you're not the only one in the world to, to struggle with those things. And there's a lot of people that listen to my show guaranteed just by the sheer size of the audience that they're struggling with drugs right now. They're struggling with, they're, they're struggling with demonic oppression or uh, possession. And there's a lot of things that go into your story that I think could really, you know, maybe help people and give them enlightenment and uh, encouragement. So uh, you and I, you know, we sat down here to do that. So let's do it. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to you and let you kind of share with people from, you know, the beginning wherever that beginning is to where we are today and your, your story and your journey through life. For sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Um, and, uh, yeah, I feel like, uh, my story's kind of, um, I don't want to say unusual because I know a lot of people have, have gone through similar things. Um, but I will say I was able to discern a lot, um, from it, especially like coming up to this point right now, um, that has, enabled me to kind of, um, or at least God to kind of impart on me, uh, a bit of a purpose, uh, through my experience. But, um, I guess just starting out, um, there were definitely some, some parts of my, of my childhood, I think that played into, um, my story, but I, I may get to that a little bit later because I don't think I realized, um, those things really up until recently, but, um, kind of my story with the paranormal, I guess you would say, or demonic presences, uh, starts, um, I mean, it starts as a child, but when I really started, um, noticing what it was, uh, I was in my twenties. Um, so, uh, starting in, you know, junior high, high school, I was, I was kind of, uh, you know, I was a skater kid. I was a, a punk rocker. I was, I, I was kind of a, of a, I guess a day walker. Like I had a bunch of different friend groups from, you know, kind of punker types, skater types, kind of the gangster crowd, all these different, you know, types of people. I grew up in uh, the Bay area in California. So it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a funny place. Um, unique, uh, any, any, everywhere's unique, but, um, it's got a, it's got a reputation for, you know, a lot of crime, uh, a lot of, you know, drugs and stuff like that. Um, you know, Oakland is the fifth largest port in the country. So a lot of, a lot of drugs and stuff come in there and there's a lot of, you know, human trafficking and, and stuff like that too. But, um, so real early on, you know, I got into, you know, I was a skater, I was a, you know, punk rocker. I was into all kinds of music. Um, and skateboarding was really my life. And, you know, 
with that, there's a bit of a party lifestyle. So I got into like drinking, uh, and smoking weed pretty early on. Um, and then that carried into high school and my, my life kind of revolved around that. And I was always really good at school. Um, I did, I mean, I even ended up going to the top mechanical engineering, uh, university in the country at one point I, I did drop out. So, uh, but not due MI- to, uh, MIT. Uh, no, this was Cal Poly San Luis Obispo at the wow. time was, was the top. It may not be anymore, but, cool. um, at least for undergraduates. Um, but yeah, so, um, I, uh, you know, was good at school, but I just never liked it. I was always kind of encouraged to do the academic stuff, but I never wanted to. Um, I like skateboarding and music was my life and, and partying came with it. Um, probably, you know, I, I dabbled a little bit in, in other drugs as well. Like, you know, pretty early on 13, 14 doing, you know, hallucinogenic drugs. And I think I did cocaine the first time I must've been 14 or something like that. Um, and, uh, so, um, really I was always also always kind of the younger one in the group. Um, I had skipped a grade early on. And so like all my friends were older and I think I, I had a little less maturity. And so, um, I kind of, to be, I guess, to be cool, um, you know, or to be, you know, part of the in crowd or able to, you know, supply people with the party life. I started selling, selling weed pretty early. Um, you know, I had an arrest as a juvenile, I had actually a couple, but one was, you know, sale of weed. Um, and then, you know, that kind of escalated into other stuff too. And, um, I did end up going to college, like I said, San Luis Obispo, Cal Poly. Went down there with a pretty bad attitude, I think. Uh, I think I could have had a lot better experience there. But really, again, I just kind of went because it was expected of me. Um, and um, I went down there to, you know, basically party and, and move drugs from the Bay Area. Um, I, in high school, kind of developed a lot of connections. Um, you know, I actually grew up in a pretty, uh, uh, pretty well-off neighborhood in Oakland. And, um, you know, so there wasn't really any kind of like financial reason for me to be doing this. I think it was an identity that I created for myself, but I created a lot of networks with, um, some like, you know, pretty, you know, tough gangster types. Um, you know, I was kind of always, you know, really personable with people. So I was able to create these connections of, of trust and stuff and be able to kind of, I was almost like the, um, I, I guess the, the white boy liaison to, uh, a lot of the, um, you know, markets that weren't necessarily available to some of the, you know, uh, more urban, um, areas. Uh, so, um, anyway, I was in college, um, you know, skateboarding, partying, just doing all right in school. Um, it did start to decline after I, uh, we had an arrest, we had a raid on our house. Um, and, uh, Luckily, I got off pretty, pretty good. I did end up doing a little jail time for it, but, um, uh, you know, praise to the most high because I, I, you know, I didn't have to do any hard time and I did eventually get, uh, you know, all felonies reduced and dismissed. And, you know, so I, I can still own guns and I can still vote, do all these things, which is awesome. And, uh, anyway, so that happened. And then I broke my foot skateboarding and kind of, that was my first like real, and I'd done it before, but it was my real dive into, you know, the opiate, um, life. And so, uh, I was also being drug tested or I was supposed to be, I never actually did. But, um, so I was like, okay, well, weed stays in my system for a, a month, you know, opiates stay in your system for a couple of days. I might as well, you know, see what this thing's about. So I, I quickly got kind of into that and, 
um, and uh, ended up dropping out just because it was kind of taking over my life and kind of dedicated myself to to crime um, for a number of years. And so I moved back to Oakland um, and I was, you know, kind of just on and off, um, you know, kind of battling spiritually without knowing it, you know, the um, drug life and, and then knowing there was something better for me. Um, and, uh, I was, you know, selling a ton of cocaine. Um, and, and then I quickly over, you know, over a couple of years, it kind of just spiraled into, uh, like, uh, really, really heavy cocaine. And then, um, you know, I always needed something to even me out. So I, I would go back and forth from getting clean off opiates into using them again. I started using heroin pretty heavily. Um, and, uh, and then kind of the cocaine turned into crack because once you start, you know, hanging with the, you know, the lower levels of society, the drugs get harder and harder, basically. Um, so yeah, I was kind of working. Um, it was a lot less of a, uh, glamorous life than it had been in the past because in the past it was like, um, you know, all the rap songs used to talk about, you know, you don't want to be the crackhead. You want to be the guy selling the crack. Right. Uh, whereas nowadays you listen to music and now all the rappers are doing the drugs. Uh, whereas back in the day you were, you were like a knock, you were a mark basically. Um, so, uh, it kind of turned to that for me. Like it used to be like, Oh, I'll never do that. Like no one goes into, you know, using heroin or or hard drugs going like, this is what I want to be one day. It just, it happens. No one, you know, almost anyone you ask that uses heroin, uh, the first time they use a needle, it's another person showing them how to do it because misery loves company and they really are possessed by, or maybe not possessed, but oppressed by, by demons. Um, it is, it is demonic. Normally no one would in their right mind would introduce someone to a needle or a hard drug. Right. But it happens even like good, actually genuinely good people. Um, that are just oppressed. Um, so anyway, yeah, I'm, I got really bad. Um, it spiraled into end, end up getting evicted essentially from the house that I was selling out of, uh, in North Oakland. And then I kind of, uh, started living on the streets, uh, and, you know, kind of all over, all over the city and stuff. I was living out of my car for a while. Um, actually before that, um, I was kind of at my, my parents' house, uh, for a while. Um, I moved back in with them after I got evicted. Um, sorry, I got that mixed up. And so I was basically just, I was so, so, um, just, I was so deep into the drugs. I would literally just be in my room, um, using all day long, except for to, you know, <laughs> basically hustle money and, and to, or, you know, selling or whatever, getting fronted drugs, you know, I was, I always had a good relationship, like I said, with the drug dealers. So they always trusted me. So I could get, you know, I could get fronted like, you know, a, you know, pretty large amounts of drugs and they would, you know, be able to be comfortable knowing that they get their money back. Um, and that's always how it'd been from, you know, pre-addiction to during addiction. And, uh, so I would just basically, I'd be spending all day long in my room. I mean, it was a mess. It was filthy. It was gross. And my parents have a nice house. Uh, they got a, you know, it's very clean. My mom, my mom is a clean freak, you know, but it was this one room in the house was just like, it was a, it was like a really good representation of the, uh, of the, uh, mindset that I had and the oppression and the, and the demonic forces at work in my life. Um, so 
basically, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd use, I'd smoke and, and shoot up heroin and I'd smoke crack and I would pass out on the desk with my face on the desk. And then I'd wake up one day. Um, I started hearing a party that was happening, um, over the fence in the neighbor's yard. And it was like, they were having a bonfire and they kind of were like yelling over me, uh, over the fence to me, kind of communicating with me. And, um, and so I, I started like communicating with this, these, uh, neighbors and they're having this party. Um, at least that's what I thought it was. And, uh, you know, they would, they kind of were cordial with me and we were just kind of, you know, sh- you know, uh, try not to swear here, but we we're just, you know, shooting the stuff, you know, and, uh, and we would just talk and, uh, and then it kind of slowly turned into this, like, oh, well, Hey, like, you know, now that we know each other, can I come to your party? And then it would be like, they'd, you know, kind of lure me, uh, you know, around the neighborhood directing me. And for, you know, I didn't really discern it at the time, but for some reason I could hear them wherever I went. And I, didn't really discern that like, Hey, if you go away from this area, you're not gonna be able to hear these people talking to you, but they would lure me to the party, like lure me around the neighborhood. I'd get back. And then they would just like, uh, I'd get back home and then they'd like ridicule me. Like, why would you think that we'd let some loser like you into our party? You know, they'd start, you know, humiliating and doing all these things. Uh, so then sometimes it would be, they would actually approach my window, uh, or at least I would, that's how I would perceive it. Like I'd, I'd, hear like a knock or I'd hear someone talking at my window, like they were real close to me and I'd talk to them and they might be someone I actually knew uh, in my past or something like that. Um, and then, uh, you know, it would just get overwhelming all this, like uh, all the voices and the humiliation and stuff like that. And then, and at one point I, they kind of, um, I thought it was, you know, maybe like, oh, these are feds they're, you know, doing, they've like put speakers and microphones in my room or whatever, stuff like that. Um, and I was paranoid about that. Um, and then it was like, they eventually kind of convinced me like, oh, hey, you're, you're actually psychic and you're communicating with people around your, your city and your area and stuff like that. And, uh, it, it turned into basically convincing me like, oh, I'm this really powerful psychic and I'm, and I'm communicating with these people. And they would, um, they would like, I guess, convince me, like trick me to uh make me think that i was actually like intruding on their lives by like by like being present in their bedrooms while you know and i couldn't control it because i was using all these drugs and the more drugs i'd use that day the more out of control my psychic abilities would get and it would just get really loud and there'd be all these voices and uh eventually like there would be um uh kind of a bit of a discernment where i knew um I, I can't remember exactly when it was, but I started kind of figuring out like um th- these people were like messing with me. Um and then I kind of discerned that it was like there were I I, f- I thought it was like gang stalking almost. Like it was like some some form of like psychic gang stalking. And then there would be these like helpful quote unquote characters that were trying to um be my friend. And it was like, they were like trying to gain my trust and then they would trick me with some other things. And there were, and each one of these voices almost had like a different personality. And, uh, one of them, like, for example, was one of the ones who was claiming to be like a friend. And he's like, he would tell me his name, but he was really far away. His, his like, uh, 
story for that was like, oh, I'm further away than the rest of the people, but um, you have to listen really hard. And so he'd tell me his name and then I'd repeat it back and then be like, no, 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 it's this trying to confuse me. So it was like a demon of confusion. And uh, so that's like an example. And then um, I kind of started to discern that these voices were not people, but they were some kind of other entities. This was a preview of today's member episode. If you want to hear the whole thing, head on over to the confessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today.